0: listening to burn and return a weekly one-hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turfgrass industries with the DJ scratch that means we're live what in the hell is going on everyone welcome it is uh normally recorded on a Sunday but we're recording it on a Monday you know why uh my wife is turning forty later this week, so we're having to shuffle, so she is knit around and j Pink was out of town. J Pink has to go on vacation too and just step away from the uh the chaos that is well life uh I was mm. gonna pretend uh-huh. like the chaos was this show, but in reality <laughs> it's, it's not there's uh apparently we cause chaos in a lot of other people's lives and it's weird because like i'm like wow it's funny because sometimes you know i'll just look at my phone in the middle of the day and i'll be like that's a lot of people that are angry leaving comments oops sorry about that uh, hey but it, i'm, I'm gaining, looking at you gaining because i i know what you're talking about you know i know you know what i'm talking about oh yeah yeah hey
1: listen gaining and losing subscribers not by the hundreds not by the thousands not even by the dozens by the ones you know, we're in it Other for the ones. long game here. Well, yeah, yeah right. we're in it for the long game. And, Ray, there is no, uh, there's no expectations here. So, uh, you know, it's That's Monday right. Night Raw, too. So, who knows oh, man. what could happen tonight? I feel uh, you, Much? You, in the pre-show, you, you should have seen Ray. Ray was downright giddy. And I think I know why, but we'll wait until Joe knows turf to find out. Just why. Ah, Yes, I'm sure
0: that's going to earn us uh, a significant number of uh, ones and two subscribers. Um, but you know, like you said, you know, we're in for the long game. We're into organic growth like Sri Lanka, right? And that's, uh, that's you know, hey, we'll give it a good shot. But typically we're Erwinia tainted. So, uh, you know, despite our best <laughs> efforts, tainted. China still owns our taint. Uh, where am I going with this? China.
1: I don't know. Uh, I, is is this the part where Speaking of going to jail? And, uh, China. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a, there ain't no Pride Month in China. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and say that.
0: Ha! That is for sure. Uh nor <laughs> nor can you be a Uyghur Muslim there. Uh welcome welcome to the execution <laughs> chamber. By the way, we'll mm-hmm. take your uh organs, step into this uh black uh how about how about we check out this week's headlines before we get canceled you hit the dump button like four or five times there Pink, just to <laughs> yeah actually yep. that was zhiging yep. 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 hit the hit the dump button <laughs> uh the the gg i'm uh, if anybody did not know sad news in the fertilizer space, Nuvia is no more, um, announced via social media somewhat. It was kept really quiet. Cause I follow those guys on social media. And I, I know John Fowler personally, and I did not catch anything, but, uh, if you go to their website, you will see, uh, future They have shut the doors for good. And, uh, you know, I'll say this, this is sad news. One, Amy Yoder as a CEO, I have no idea about her managerial prowess. I have no idea about her financial team, any of the sort. But what I do know is that Amy Yoder is a CEO, as a female CEO in this industry, and uh, as uh, a CEO that was able to raise money, uh, one of the absolute badasses uh, in the, uh, agricultural startup space that, that has been around in a long time. Uh, Nuvia gave it a good go, uh, managing to raise $310 million over there, over a very short period, right? They were founded in 2005, had a lot of prototypes, but when they, when they really started to skyrocket it was somewhere around, oh, I don't know, 2017 uh was was when i started to uh, get involved with those guys and uh and then by 2018 they were really ramping up and then by 2020 uh they had uh, brought on like another 70 million dollars to expand production which included a blending facility at the former mosaic site uh, which was an old scott's blender uh down in plant city florida uh however uh, unfortunately they defaulted on some, uh, you know, it's one of those things when you hear the word default in a, in a business, that's not usually good on some, uh, some tax, uh, and, and, and loans from the, from the city, there some options or warrants or however they had that structured and, uh, and it, and I, there's I can only imagine why, and uh, and I don't really want to get into a whole lot of speculation, but we'll see what it says here. Uh, they had a patented proprietary process that transformed reclaimed organic matter into high-performance plant nutrients. Uh, the company had formulations for ag and turf markets, but forecasted 90% of its sales to be in the ag market. They built with uh, ag retail partners, including Nutrien, Southern States, Wedgeworths, GFT Ag Services, and others. Other partners included Mosaic and uh, Novozymes. Uh, Mosaic worked with Anubia for its Sestera product. Uh, then the uh, company CEO, Amy Yoder, told the scoop in 2020, when we talked to the general population, we have a par- powerful message in creating a circular economy by taking a waste, uh, waste materials and repurposing while keeping it out of the landfill with negative press about agriculture's impact on water quality. Anubia uh, products are a practical way to in- uh, bring enhanced efficiency, fertilizer, so on, so, so, so forth. Right. Um Now, and why And I think about it from a manufacturing standpoint, just because I've, I've been through this pain is their manufacturing process was wildly complex right so you're bringing in organic matter you're putting it in these giant uh hydrolysis tanks adding sulfuric acid and then injecting anhydrous ammonia gas into it and that's a massive monumental uh generates a lot of energy a lot of heat right Uh, because that's a that's a strong acid-base reaction and then uh, as that reaction takes place it's dripped uh, where it's allowed to uh, to dry and solidify in the form of a homogeneous ammonium sulfate organic matter. They originally started using; um, they were a, a a wastewater treatment facility for uh, Disney, which would be biosolids. But then they stopped. They got away from biosolids and used food crap, uh, food cr- food crap, uh, food scrap, and uh, other vegetal sources. Uh, from that point moving forward, so it was a, a bit of a sort like a vegetal protein hydrolysate, but uh, not enzymatically extracted, more so just acid extracted, and um, and then uh, uh, hit with the uh, ammonium sulfate. So different gig there, but when you're talking about moving high-pressure sulfuric acid, high-pressure reaction with uh, um, uh, anhydrous ammonia, and also the water that came out of the backside of that was Cleaned to um, uh, well above wastewater treatment facility standards uh, because the uh, the eyes of the community were on them. So you could imagine trying to maintain that uh, was probably no easy feat. And then you have the flip side of that, which is actually selling everything that you're making, right? And that also could be uh, difficult in and of itself, especially when you're selling a um, uh, a a premium product like Anubia wood, right? So. Hard to justify something with a 623 analysis um, that uh, a 2100 is selling for uh, 800 a ton, but you have to sell your product for a thousand dollars a ton, and that can be difficult, especially in ag. Uh, Maybe not so much in in specialty ag, but specialty ag is probably not going to sell you a billion dollars in fertilizer. And when you raise 300 million, your expected rate of return is going to be somewhere around a billion dollars over a 10 to uh, 15 year period, and that's strong. Uh so bye-bye yeah. Anuvia. I love you and I love everybody that works there and I honestly mean that from the bottom of my heart. Boys, what do y'all think about this?
1: You know, it's it's mind-blowing, I guess to me, especially in this space, right, that you would see a uh, you know, a startup essentially uh raise this much capital in a pretty short period of time, right? Oh yeah. I think they had a great story. I think they had uh, you know an incredible uh, outreach in that space right to to sell people on the circular economy and everything like that you know the I have more questions than I have answers on this, and so i I, I mean I'll direct this to both of you is how does this bode for you know all the stories we see of what seems like pie in the sky novel uh, you know manufacturing techniques to extract fertilizer from this or Take these raw materials that are, you know, byproducts or, and again, products of the circular economy, to make them into fertilizer and have that be, at scale, a profitable business that people want to put metric fuck tons of money behind. Are we, are we reaching too far here? That's the question I have. Was this just a bridge too far or was it just not well I executed? Think so.
2: I think it's more like reaching far and... The reality of the matter is, something is called waste or trash because it is. Bottom line, hands down, and economically, best thing to do with it is to have it disposed of as economically and as efficiently as possible because i don't see the magic fairy waving her wand around and turning what's otherwise garbage back into a usable consistent clean product that checks all the boxes doesn't have any unintended effects or collateral damage i mean and when i'm thinking about collateral effects i'm also thinking about energy consumption because do you know what how i analyze all of these great ideas that are put in front of me my analysis goes down to the level of how much electricity fossil fuels energy etc is going to be needed to transform this material into something that's usable and in the case of anuvia i see a process that is extremely consumptive of various resources
0: Hang on, let me simp for Anuvia real quick. Uh, one, I, I used it, and in terms of a slow-release ammonium sulfate, one of the best slow-release ammonium sulfates ever used. Um, two, uh, I think where from a financial standpoint of what makes the wizardry hard here. Now, I'm gonna leave the energy aspect alone uh, because frankly, I don't give a shit about the energy expenditure uh, as long as it comes in at a price point that's reasonable to use. Um now the flip side of that is that a lot of wastewater treatment facilities are subsidized uh right they they operate as a nonprofit because uh well they're government funded uh and uh, Anuvias was not it was a private wastewater treatment facility right so they incurred the entire well maybe not the entirety but the majority of that cost versus the local municipalities that are being funded with local right. tax dollars right and so that is, is probably the financial piece of that, that never could be solved. Now that I'm thinking about it out loud, uh, with some of the the input you gave there, Ray is, um, yes, it is very energy intensive, but I think, uh, I think about it from the, the standpoint of moving anhydrous ammonia is not going to be that much more energy intensive than any other, uh, major, uh, dealer in, uh, anhydrous ammonia. It's just. Keeping it under pressure, right? So you're talking about precision meaning uh, machining to to be able to to have the type of equipment that can handle that kind of load, right? Yeah, because Um, anhydrous
2: is a gas under under rather high pressure, and mm -hmm. it absolutely, totally has to be contained because... uh, Anhydrous ammonia leaks are no bueno. Yeah, because you see an anhydrous ammonia leak that to me is the surest way I know of to get a neighborhood evacuated. <laughs> Am I right, Matt?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that are, uh, better that natural one. gas leak. Yeah.
2: Well, anhydrous, yeah. the difference between anhydrous and natural gas, though, is that unlike natural gas, I know that anhydrous has an affinity for water. And. The tissues in the human body that contain the most surface water or free water include eyes and lungs. So.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good time being exposed (laughs) to that. And, uh, but anyway, I wish all those guys very well. Uh, Good luck to Amy Yoder and her future. And uh, good luck to uh, a guy I know personally, John Fowler, Uh, He's the Mm -hmm. super dude. And I'm I'm sure they'll land on their feet and have a continued successful career in the industry without a doubt. Um, Next here, we have the turf conversion grants were awarded to seven Salt Lake County cities. Uh, In late April, Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson announced recipients of $1.1 million in turf conversion grants. Seven cities across the Salt Lake Valley will be uh, awarded funds from the American Rescue Plan. Recipient cities are Bluffdale, Riverton, Sandy, South Jordan, Taylorsville, West Jordan, and West Valley City. Post-performance grants will be distributed to 21 approved projects to support conversion of turf on municipal municipal property to water efficient landscaping. This is a visionary program and we're helping cities who are already doing great things and working with their residents to be water wise and eliminate some of the grass throughout our county. Water conservation is not one city's duty not one county's duty it's not one household's duty we will make a difference by making the change together uh, you gotta love political jargon uh in total projects in the participating cities will remove 412 thousand square feet of non-functional turf saving 9 million g- gallons of water annually the effort is part of a collaboration with salt lake county jordan valley blah 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 blah, 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 blah. Uh, we are leading by example so we are flipping the strip in our own city hall uh, water is so important, but it isn't handled the same in every city, so we're excited to be able to individualize this and do what works in our city. Uh, with the help of mayors and council members from every recipient, City West Jordan kicked off one of his projects with a turn turf, uh, with a turf turn to commemorate the occasion. We wouldn't ask our residents to do something the city isn't willing to do as well, so we're staring at our own house. Uh, if enough people do these little things, it makes a big difference. Here we are; we're getting rid of grass. Uh, good or bad? What do y'all think? Uh, again, I think that the
1: uh demonization that this is the silver bullet. uh Any any silver bullet situation is always uh, rife with peril. So, I think in this case, you know, we talked before about some of these articles, and I, I really do believe that that money is better spent right that there's probably better ways and probably more impactful ways and far reaching okay. ways that they could save nine ma- million gallons, you know, many times over, uh, just from educating people and getting the word out on how to do this. So the, the point I guess is that, you know, it's only going to get more expensive to remove grass, right. And water is going to get more expensive too, comparatively. Right. But opportunity costs, there's obviously a, a lot of turf out there that might be able to be removed and maybe there is, but there's going to be an equilibrium point, right? So finding this and just handing out these grants, I think is dangerous just to put money in the hands of people and say, Hey, if you want to do this, do this. Is that the best situation to remove turf, right? That's what I'd be looking at. And I don't know how hard these uh, grant programs are looking at the utility function um and even aesthetics, right? In certain cases. And I know that people will be like, well, you can't worry about aesthetics in a situation like this. I'm telling you that there are better ways to save 9 million gallons. And while Ray's talking, I'm going to see how much water, uh, Salt Lake County actually uses in a year and see what kind of percentage 9 million
0: is.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 9 million is Is one of the things that on paper sounds good, but is it?
2: No, that's not a lot of water. However, you know, here's my question. Whenever we go on a campaign to get rid of turf grass i'm aware of this effect when there is time's no up it's over maintained healthy turf grass you're essentially creating areas or microclimates of high heat and in talking to uh, people like Zach, uh, who's in none other than ogden utah which is outside of salt lake city utah gets hot in the summer and one of the mitigators of that heat would be green and growing ground cover because you know matt whenever there's these get rid of turf campaigns Do you know what I typically see happen in those areas where the turf grass is taken away? Hmm. I see rocks. And I see little, you know, succulents or arid arid area plants. And here's what I know about rock or gravel, because I have a lot of that in Hawaii, too. That mofo gets hot in the sun. Gravel gets hot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking here, and let's see here. Oh, they got a whole thing on flip your script. Uh, let's see here. Water sources doesn't really tell you in their report. Yeah,
2: Yeah, but nine million gallons is not that much in the grand scheme of things citywide no 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 no. actually nine million gallons over several individual cities that's not a lot of water
0: definitely not over several cities that's not even close
2: yeah that, that is uh that is not it and then my next question is is, okay, I'm also familiar with the effect that turf grass has in filtering out various waterborne pollutants and contaminants. Grass is very good at capturing those things.
0: Without a doubt.
2: Yeah, and that is why, for example, did you know that here in Hawaii, you need to apply to the city for a special permit if you intend to take away that two and a half foot strip of grass that is outside of your property that is on city easement that is normally growing maintained turf grass
1: Mm -hmm. jesus Mm -hmm. okay (laughs)
2: yeah
1: just just in salt lake city so uh Mm -hmm. Salt Lake County is in the, uh, it was the West Jordan water conservancy district. And so just Salt Lake city is what I could find uh, recent data from 2022 on. So, uh, the utilities department there, uh, has delivered between 125 and 133 million gallons per day in the peak mm-hmm. of summer. And in the, mm-hmm. I- at the very worst, they've delivered 160 million gallons a day. Mm. 9 million gallons ain't a whole lot. I'm just saying there's gotta be some better ways to reduce that. And I understand you're going to chip away. It's not going to be just one thing, right. That gets you over the hump, but it's a weird, weird spot to die on that hill. I would just look at more of criteria and things like that. You know, they talk about tree strips and things like that. That makes sense. And they've got some good programs. It looks like based on their annual report here. I'd like to dive deeper into the how, why, where, when, and what happens uh, when these grant applications are received. But that's for another day, another time. Certainly, gentlemen, not on Monday Night Raw, especially with what awaits us on Jono's Turf.
0: <laughs> Geno's turf. <laughs> Hi, I'm chow. I'm gonna give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today because Joe knows turf.
1: <laughs> Joe does know turf uh and many other things in life uh and Matt has actually told him you know in certain terms uh what all he knows so uh yeah that that's happened but regardless tonight true uh watching a video, uh, from, I would consider him a friend on the show. We have invited him on the show, uh, at least a handful of times. I know it just schedules haven't lined up things like that, but tonight want to take a look at a video regarding, uh, grub preventative application timing from, uh, Brian, the turf mechanic and talk a little bit about, uh, some best practices. I think we watched a video on grubs a little while ago, but there's some good points in here that I think were. Uh, ancillary to the other discussion we have. So let's go ahead and dive in and watch this. Uh, Jay Pink will play it till about seven or so minutes. I'll let you know when to stop.
3: The month of June is the most common time of the year to put down grub control. These are the products that we put down to prevent grubs from infesting our lawns in the fall and the spring. And arguably the most common product that homeowners and yard owners put on their lawns to prevent grubs is Scott's Grub X. And I want to tell you why you may be making an enormous mistake. During the month of June, adult female grubs burrow deep into the ground to lay their eggs. This usually happens somewhere around the 15th of June, mid-June. On average, you can expect baby grub larvae to start emerging from those eggs two weeks later, somewhere around the 1st of July. So in an ideal environment, which is impossible to achieve in real life, every single grub larva would hatch on July 1st and start eating in those first couple days of July. This is when they would be the easiest to kill. So if we apply a product to the surface of our lawn on July 1st, trying to kill off that larva, no matter what the product is, it's not going to do anything until the product gets from the surface of our lawn, deep into the soil where the larvae are actually living. Grub X is a granular product. When we spread it on the lawn with our granular spreaders, it goes onto the dirt. Even if there are baby grub larvae living below the soil surface, they're not going to die because of this product until this product is able to push through that upper inch or two of soil to get down to them. It is a death by contact product. When the larvae come in contact, what
1: okay (laughs) all right hang on here so a couple of points that brian makes and i think some of these are valid and some of these need cleaned up a little bit but uh some things to think about here so he's talking about the timing of grab applications we'll dive into that here towards the end and talk about some of the research that supports uh why certain products are timed at certain times things like that We'll, we'll get into that later what brian does make a really good point about is uh you know getting the active ingredient to the target, right? This is a major problem that I see. And I'm sure Matt and Ray would agree with me. A major problem that we see with preventative growth Mm -hmm. applications, regardless of whether they're granular or if they are liquid, right? And, uh, especially if you're in a space, you know, in the, in the prolonged care space right now, you're probably getting ready to, or already putting this stuff out. And if you're in you know, certain parts of the country, there's not a lot of rain happening right now. And that could be a problem, right. To get your, uh, if you're making a midocloprid application right now, could be a problem, right? Uh, related to getting uh, AI on target. So let's listen here a little bit more about the one thing too that he said too was interesting about the chloranililpril, right? So two different modes of action here. He'll talk about imidacloprid here in a minute, and and we'll listen on that. But with the diamide, right the that that's the, the the type of chemical that we're talking about with uh That actually works by going up into the plant, and then the grubs feed on the plant roots, and then they Ingest that and they die. And the way that chlorantraniliprole works, Ray, right, is it dissociates yep. calcium ions in the exoskeleton of the plant. So really, what ends up happening, right, from a true mode of action, is the mouth parts of the plant. When the when the grub first ingests these diamides, they work rather quickly, right. Once they're in the plant, and, and it's a pretty it's a pretty instantaneous process where uh, basically like opening a window, and all these calcium ions pour out the grub becomes paralyzed until it stops moving and dies okay
2: first their first their mouth parts are paralyzed and then Mm -hmm. from what people have told me the entire exoskeleton of that poor grub or caterpillar then proceeds to just disintegrate calcium dissociation is a pretty effective means of action and it's also very selective
1: well, and, and that futile. point, Matt, he, oh, I was going to ask Matt a quick question. Matt, do humans or our pets have exoskeletons? Yes or no? Uh, no. Very good. Okay. So it's pretty safe for humans. All right. Ray, you were going to finish your thought, and then we'll play the video here. Act. Oh, great.
2: No, That's actually, great. I, Ray, I, I, I think good? Matt
3: covered it. Matt
2: covered it quite well. There you like, go. Roll it. <laughs> to the chlorantraniliprol,
3: which is the active ingredient in Grub X, that's when they die grubs don't come to the surface they only live down below it so the only way to get this product down to the grub larva is to water it in the problem with chlorantraniliprole is that it's not water soluble now it doesn't bind to soil particles so it will eventually what? move down but no matter how Pause. heavy you water
1: okay a couple of things here He's right that it is a very water-insoluble product. In fact, so much so that if you go on the Scott's website or if you go read the professional uh, label for a Celeprin, right, which which has the same active ingredient, what you'll find is that the timing that's recommended is spring to early summer. Now, they're not going to give you months of the year. They're not going to give you firm dates. But generally speaking, yes, they would like you to apply this earlier, Ray, mainly because of the water insolubility of the actual AI, right? So the more water, the more chance it has to get down in the soil. That being said, we'll talk more again here soon about the timing of these products and how that might relate to it. Now, again, the last part here that he's going to talk about in a second is the imidacloprid, the timing there. So let's go ahead and roll on.
3: You're that. not really going to be pushing it down into the larva living zone. Like where they live is not going to happen very fast. So in the month of June, when most people are going out to their local big box store, buying scott's grub x and spreading it on their lawn it takes a long time for this product to actually get into the root zone of our grass where the grub larvae are living by the time it actually gets down there if you're applying this in mid-june it might not be getting down into the uh the kill zone until early august and heaven forbid you put this down somewhere around july it's not going to be getting down into the kill zone until mid to late august at that point Many of those grubs will have matured to the point where this product won't kill them off. The optimal time of the year to apply Scott's Grub X or any product using chlorin as its active ingredient is in May, possibly even late April. Even if you apply this early into the egg-laying zone, into that larva zone, and it won't degrade enough over time to not work, you can apply this a little bit early you can't apply it late. That is literally the Us. biggest mistake.
1: Okay, so he's about to say that's literally the biggest mistake. All right, so he's right on the timing. Like that That, in a general sense across much of the nation, and again, there's some nuance there depending on where you're at, but generally speaking, that time frame is gonna work just fine. You can be early with this stuff and still be okay. What you lose out on, let's talk about this real quick, is if you are in an area that is affected by army worms, let's say, right? exceptionally no. good control on army worms with the celeprin right right except if you're in hawaii and you can't get it sorry Hmm. now that's the problem though is that if we go too early we're not going to pick those army worms up and that could also be a disastrous
2: consequence False. all right false false right how's that because okay chlorantranilipril once it has mobilized itself to the root system of a plant Mm-hmm. is extremely systemic. And mm-hmm. when I say extremely systemic, what that means is that as long as that AI is pres- present in the soil and circulating through the tissues of the plant, uh-huh. army, fall army worm or, or sod wordworm that bites grass that has had a previous application of nilipole, uh-huh By bye Felicia, bye. Right. I mean... First and is light.
1: that at the low rate too is that is that true at the low rate too
2: no it is at the middle to higher rates especially yeah. if this is the first time you're applying grubx okay because we talked we talked about how grubx or clorentraniliprol has this unique property of Applications over multiple consecutive years tend to stack. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the reasons why Hawaii department of health doesn't want Clarentraniliprol in Hawaii.
1: Same thing. If you're on long Island too, you're, you're not going to find this product. So that is a, (laughs) that is both a benefit, a feature and a detractor, right? Is that the half-life of this product in the soil is about 972 days. That's the half life that that hangs around for a really, really long time. Yes.
2: However, you know, for me, I'm unconcerned because I don't have an exoskeleton. Uh, (laughs) My cockatiel doesn't have an exoskeleton. Your dog doesn't have an exoskeleton. Your cat doesn't have an exoskeleton. So birds don't have an exoskeleton. So they are not negatively impacted. And oh, by the way, fish don't
1: have an extra either. they don't they don't so So there you go so it's very safe on all all those so all right let's play this here let's watch just a little bit longer and we'll wrap up
3: that almost everyone who applies this product does they apply it too late and i understand the bag says that you can apply this all the way into july but it's just not the advisable thing to do you're applying it late in the season you are wasting your time and your money. I've made that mistake myself on my own lawn, and I even have a video from a couple years ago where I made the mistake in saying that this could be applied all the way to late June, the 1st of July. If you're gonna apply this, apply it at the correct time of year. If it's Pause. actually-
1: Okay, so JPEG, I'd like you to go first here. We, we, we This is a, a really well-researched subject, right? And there's two uh, interesting um, charts of data that we'll look at that I think will be representative both of cool season country and also of warm season country as well. Uh, and so go ahead, Jay Pink. let's look at the first one, that, uh, that photo I sent you, and then we'll look at the PDF, uh, the first PDF I sent. Okay, so blow this up. So this is uh, data out of Ohio State uh, going back to 2012, and I can tell you that these model runs, here you go. This is from, Uh, 77 to 2012, this is literally every year. And they're looking at each one of these, uh, in the totality that they've studied it, right. And if we want to focus in on, on two different products here, okay. We've got imidacloprid, which is going to be the fourth one down on this chart. And we're also going to look at Quarantranilopril, which is the second one down on this chart. The interesting thing here that they did gentlemen is that they took applications and they made them by month to see, okay, Hey. What's late, what's early? Do we see any statistically significant differences in the amount of control on grubs? And the thing that everybody needs to realize is, is that the goal of grub control, just like in uh, you know uh, disease control and to a lesser extent weed control, is all about reducing uh, the numbers and the populations to a, a viable threshold that's not going to injure turf grass, right? So we're not gonna kill 100% of the grubs. You're gonna see grubs in there. Brian even mentions that in the video and it's a great point to drive home. At the end, he talks a lot about that and I think that's an important point to mention. Now, that being said, if we look at May app, a June app or a July app, Matthew, you're our stats nerd here. Do you see any differences statistically that are indicated here for Clarence Pro on whether we make an application in May, in June or July? Uh, hardly anything
0: I would consider statistically significant.
1: Very good. Okay. Now, when we look at applications in, of imidacloprid. Right, here's where we start to see some differences and I'll tell you why. And actually I'll have Ray tell you why. Ray, when I look at the May timing here on the imidacloprid, mm-hmm. right, I'm seeing 79, 81% control, right, on average. Yes. But if I slide that up to a July timeframe, 95, 96%. Now, why would that be the case? Because he hasn't discussed imidacloprid yet. I'll let him talk about that in just a second. But why would we see such stark differences between a May application of a or clarence versus a May application of merit and vice versa. Why would we see such uh, similar results if we made a July application of each one of those products? Even though Brian says we're being late, if we're targeting this in a June, July timeframe, why would that be?
2: It is because imidacloprid true to its class of chemistry is rather water soluble. However, it is not the most water soluble out of all of the new that title goes to thiamethoxam but Mm. the main point about imidacloprid is that imidacloprid half-life in the soil especially at the rates that are registered for annual application to turf grass on average you get approximately 60 to 90 days of actual effective half-life out of that application so I'm looking at an application in May and that is like low because by the time peak grub damage is occurring you're into July and that imidacloprid has degraded that imid- imidacloprid, mm-hmm. if you're in an area that is particularly rainy or is under heavy irrigation, that application tends to wash out or leach out as well. Rain Very good. So will it's a le-
1: will leach it. much more water-soluble, much more water-soluble mm-hmm. product. The thing I will give Brian about that maybe, perhaps, and this is just me hypothesizing, purely anecdotal, but the, the possible reason for failure, and I do see it here, I've seen folks make this mistake, of mm-hmm. June and July applications where maybe they aren't getting as much rain. They're in a more arid climate or a, a climate that doesn't see as much rain in June, July. And therefore, mm-hmm. again, that product does not move adequately into the target area, get uptaken by the plant and move about. All right, JPink, real quick, flip over to that first PDF that I sent you, the one out of Oklahoma State. Another really, really good example. We'll slide down to the data table therein. uh So, the gentlemen here, they took uh, a couple of different timings. I think it was like a July timing and then an April timing. So they just went, they just picked two months and kind of went with it and did a couple different uh, applications. So the ones I want you to look at here are uh, again, the Aceloprin, which is Chlorentianilipril, same exact um, rate that you're gonna see here at the uh, 0.104 pounds of AI per acre. So that's the equivalent rate of the bag rate on GrubX. And you'll see here, uh, pretty much everything statistically lines up that, if we were late on the aceloprene, 93% reduction in populations. If we were early on our aceloprene at that same rate, 90% reduction, right? So there is some variability there. So 93 versus 90.7, you know, that's split mm-hmm. hairs. It's not statistically significant. Even the data plus rate, minus, you know, plus here, minus
2: 5%. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, the data here doesn't even suggest that it's statistically significant. So again, we're seeing that in a July application, and this is on Bermuda grass in Oklahoma, right? This is where this was conducted on. So warm season turf, uh, we see the same thing bear out as what we saw in Ohio in the Midwest. All right, let's play the video here for just another couple of minutes or minute or so, and then we'll wrap this up.
3: Mid to late June, and you're considering putting down a grub preventative product, this should not be one of your options. You should be looking into something using imidacloprid, which I don't usually advise, aside from a few sets of circumstances. I don't advise because it's not very good for all of the beneficial insects that live in our lawns and our and our environments and communities. And you're gonna find imidacloprid in a number of products. I have this lawn grub control from Ike's company. I think you can buy this at Walmart. But it also comes in a very popular product from BioAdvanced. It's their BioAdvanced uh, lawn grub control, I think is all it's called. Imidacloprid is water-soluble. So once uh, you put it on the lawn and then. you
1: Okay. Amidocloprid is, is is a fine product to use. It's caught kind of a bad rap because it's a neonicotinoid. Uh, there's a number of situations where I would not advise applying it. That would be if you have weeds that are flowering and pollinators present. That's probably the most dangerous situation that you can get yourself into. Yes. Outside of that, from a standpoint of, uh, Overall human health, uh, the 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 science remains a little bit murky there as far as what the actual intended uh, versus non intended effects are of that product. The last thing is Brian does mention, and we'll stop right here. We're not gonna he he talks about Lawnbox as a product that is, uh, BT, right? So Bacillus thuringiensis that uh, is supposedly a natural product. J real quick, slide up and there's a a, a PDF I linked from the USGA. Uh, the BT products, very, very inconsistent in their, uh, in their performance and research trials, and also, you know, from anecdotal, uh, performance as well. Uh, if you want to read this paper, Albert Koppenhofer out of, uh, Rutgers university over there in New Jersey, uh, probably one of the preeminent guys that's doing work on these. So, uh, these, uh, parasitic nematodes for globe control, uh, the scarabi, I can't remember what the subspecies is, but some really, really good, um, stuff here, we'll link this up in the show notes. You can take a look at this, but in certain parts of the country, um, Connecticut for one, where they're not allowed to use, uh, these pesticides on school grounds, this is sort of the product of choice. And it's done very, very well. Timing of it can be a little bit, uh, hokey depending on weather and populations, irrigated versus non-irrigated. The last thing too, Ray, real quick, because we talked about grubs and, and all this stuff, a bunch, I hope we cleared up a few things. One timing is really, really important to a certain extent, right? Uh, Aceliprin yes. and the diamides have made it a, a much more idiot proof when it comes to that. I think the next game changer w- uh, that we'll see is Tetrino when it becomes uh, available and uh, pregnant on prills of fertilizer, because that way your timing matches up perfectly. It's a more water-soluble diamide. It's going to match up perfectly mm-hmm. where everybody's round three or four is with their grub control. And it'll be lights out and be over at that point. The other thing too, is that, um, you know, grubs are an interesting thing where uh, drier soils, we're not going to see egg lay be quite as bad because grubs need moist soils to get into and lay their grubs. So if you're in an area right now, that's especially, uh, experiencing drought and you're thinking about applying this stuff, one, be sure that you can water it in, but two, realize that if you're in a droughty situation, the likelihood that you see grubs or the, to the populations and levels that you're used to is probably going to be reduced or diminished to a certain extent. So keep that in mind, uh, and take it for what it's worth. So. Ryan put out a video. Uh, we cleaned up a few things that, you know, I think w- were, were good, sound advice and, uh, you know, had the research to back it up. So hopefully everybody enjoyed it. It was an extended cut. And Matt uh, was here for all of it, including the immediate <laughs> <Dak Liffred>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. It. Boy, I... uh, we'll check it. this week's burns. <laughs>
1: i know i know listen uh you know if there's anybody that likes monday night raw and i'm not talking about the rock or john cena or anything like that i'm talking about ray the green dog it's sheila she likes monday
0: night Raw. i if you in the, the ring, ring and out of the enjoy ring joy getting getting tombstoned then uh you know we're, we're probably we're probably not friends i'm not gonna lie uh he's gonna do a pile driver this- and that's an not gonna be <laughs> Never mind. It's not gonna be Pilex
1: and a Queen Clorox. Let's just say that.
0: Uh, radioactive roads. How about how about how about this for a giant scare everybody (laughs) to death article? Yeah. Um I I this is this is hilarious. It's not hilarious. I, you know, and it, it it does need to be talked about just to get everybody to to calm down. And um uh Ray, I, you you're you're the one that kind of looped me in on this. Will you talk to us a little bit? So I'll explain what's happening here. Uh, mosaic uh, fertilizer produces a lot of of phosphates in various forms, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and the big kicker with it is um, you have this byproduct which is called phosphogypsum, and phosphogypsum is, uh, radioactive. There is a, uh, there is a piece of it that is, that is radioactive and Ray, Talk to us about what specifically makes it radioactive. And then with them talking about putting it into roads into asphalt mixes, uh, are we all going to glow in the middle of the night or, <laughs> uh, is there some stability that takes place with this application method that allows us to repurpose it someplace else? Um, and And it's not it's not going to kill us all
2: okay here's the issue with phosphogypsum phosphogypsum contains small amounts of radium isotopes and radium radium yeah and radium isotopes yep. break down and form something called radon gas
0: radon uh, yep.
2: Now, radon gas is a hazard if, for example, you are breathing that in an enclosed area over long periods of time. And I can uh, cite instances where this is a big issue. Like, you know, in various parts of the United States where the parent material rock is granite, for example? Mm Mm-hmm. I understand that people's houses and buildings need to have radon mitigation measures.
0: Because. So I can tell you here in Knoxville, it is Mm -hmm. a thing. And that's why you hear people talk about vapor barriers and barriers. And you hear on the radio all the time uh, Have you had your basement tested for radon? Uh, Because it is emitted from our soils here regularly
2: yeah yeah and so here's the thing is that the other problem with phosphogypsum or any other material that contains radium is if it is dusty so (laughs) you know in my eyes or my mind The best thing to do with something that contains small amounts of radioisotope is to bind it into some kind of a solid formulation that reduces the tendency of it to form dust.
0: Like if you were to wrap it in tar, for example.
2: Yeah, wrap, wrap wrap that sucker up in tar or incorporate that into concrete and here's the other mitigating factor is that uh brian matt i would never imagine having asphalt inside of my freaking house okay
0: no mm. <sighs> no nope. nope. stranger things have happened but it would not stranger- be on my priority list
2: yeah, yeah, that would not be like high on my, you know, list of uh, remodeling projects, but
0: Oh, honey, uh, I got a great uh, concept yeah. for the kitchen floor. We're going fucking asphalt, sweetheart.
2: Yeah, but it's we're, all we're, base we're, course. Yeah, <laughs> we we're, we're doing we're doing blacktop. We're doing blacktop <laughs> in the kitchen and the bathroom, dear, and yeah, you Real two sensitive. guys watch all your shit go out the front door and into the driveway. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. <laughs> but I can't, I but can't anyway,
1: surface course, sweetie. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: But anyway, sure you can't. know really? I am not freaked out about the idea of having asphalt containing phosphogypsum And this is even though I am the very person that is extremely paranoid about radioactive contamination. Okay. I am that guy where, no, I don't want to f- glow in the dark. No, I don't want to find out that my pancreas or my liver or my kidneys have been, uh, irradiated. And now I have a, you know, stage four, uh, cancer in there. But the idea of having Phosphogypsum gypsum stabilized in tar and then used on roads that does not freak me out at all it doesn't
4: Mm.
1: does it freak you guys out nope listen we we live in a hazardous world and i you know i hope that someday people will come back you know 30 years from now and watch all these episodes and be like, man, look at all the dangerous stuff. These dipshits were talking about using back then. And you know what? Yeah, we were. All right. You got a problem with that unsubscribe from us after we're dead. All right? Fuck off. right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so, I'm so glad to have this talked about because I have seen this shared all over the internet thousands and thousands so, of times. This is something mm. that needs to be cut up into a gobbler because, uh, for, for God's sake, I mean, again everybody's looking for the boogeyman right now. And, and, and the, oh. the phrase that pays right now is chemical. Uh, radioactivity mm-hmm. is, is like a grade above chemical, right? That's so like we've got chemicals above. that includes, yeah. includes fertilizers. Fertilizers are a big one, right? That was, that was the big mm-hmm. one on Joe Rogan recently was that, you know, fertilizers are what's killing us. Uh, and then we have pesticides of course, and pesticides, most people, when they hear the word pesticide, they think insecticide, but really it's all encompassing of herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, nematicides, blah blah blah. Um, pesticides in general, anything that ends inside is a big, scary, freak you out word. Uh, and then, and then the the exponent uh, above that, or factorial above that, would be would be radioactivity, right? And so, uh, using uh, when people read this, they're going to think, oh, we're now using enriched uranium. To uh, to put into roads because in, enriched uranium is used <laughs> at the Mosaic Phosphate Fertilizer Plant in Mulberry because they're building nuclear bombs there, right? <laughs> Let me ask this question. That's the state Let of the union question. we're in right now in Peak Clown World.
1: I just want to know what number on the bag is plutonium. Where do I find that in the label? That's all I'm looking for. High Ooh. plutonium fertilizer. Okay,
2: okay, uh, Ryan. <laughs> Ray you know Bra- 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 will that answer various- this, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, <I> various <laughs> states. <laughs> You actually have standards for radioactive materials in fertilizers. I'm thinking like Oregon, Florida, one of Washington, (laughs) and Washington State. However, you know what? The shit made in Florida apparently passes Washington and Oregon standards because apparently is everywhere out there yeah because apparently the material of concern the radium and strontium and whatever else all stays back or mostly stays back in this phosphorus gypsum yeah Mm -hmm. stays back in the fossil gypsum and to me do you know what's even more harmful than encapsulating this in tar you know what's even more harmful
0: uh glyphosate as
2: well no while all of these environmentalists are stopping people from doing anything with these piles of phosphogypsum and in the meantime this shit blows around in the wind that is causing that phosphogypsum to be way more harmful than if it were to be mixed up with tar and gravel and then compressed down and made into roads.
0: Well, I appreciate Listen. you being a voice of reason there, Ray, uh, but we live in peak clown world and we're not looking for reasoning or validity or alternative ideas. What we're looking yeah. for is boogeymen, and, uh, and you just eliminated a boogeyman, therefore you are canceled. We appreciate it. Come again, thank you, sir. <laughs> Um, uh, oh, <laughs> the, the first of not one, but how many two count them one, two, uh, murders started over a lawnmower argument out of Salem, she- Arkansas, uh, Sheila, uh, Pebbler here. I'm sorry. It's Tabitha Pebbler, but definitely looks like a Sheila first oh. murder to have taken place <laughs> in the pair of Fulton County murders from the previous weeks was caused by an alleged dispute over a lawnmower then escalated, according to testimony. I'd say uh, information so. Information was taken from the probable cause affidavit for this case, written by Jesse Buske Jr., which also details <laughs> testimony from Tabitha Pebler, also known as Sheila, who has since been charged with second-degree murder. Uh, on May 31st, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office was dispatched to Stonewood Road after Pebler had called them, stating she had shot her son, Brandon Jeez. Frisco. Uh, Sheila stated she was mowing the lawn and got stuck and called her son to help her get the mower unstuck. Things escalated when she got the mower stuck a second time and Brandon became verbally and physically abusive. Further testimony states Sheila moved her vehicle, grabbed a handgun she had in the console, then fired a warning shot at Brandon, telling him to stay away. She then shot again and struck Crisco in the chest killing him what uh fuck? that is uh just absolutely Jeez. fascinating and uh but you Lord, know what? she's got she's got a wonderful attorney a defense attorney a federal defense attorney and jesse Busquet, <laughs> jr and should these be escalated to federal charges then you know she's in good hands look look hey look when when your son is on meth and is coming at you because you got your mower stuck a second time sometimes you got no choice but to uh fire off a warning shot and then put put the 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 rip shot right into the descending aorta um that's that's one way to neutralize the threat um again we're here in clown world uh let's check out this wow jesus we're going to hell (laughs) that was was clutch jp thank you that was (laughs) We, we are back, uh, uh,
1: we need, we need some love-filting returns after that shit. We got to balance this fucking shit out. <laughs> hey, am I gonna tongue
0: scraper? I didn't even speak it. now. I was feeling I need to scrape the meth off my tongue. Um, geez, where, where am I? You know, it's bad when you read an article and you have to brush your teeth. That's that's, uh, you've, you've entered a different dimension there. Uh, PCC adding turf grass diploma program this fall. This is at a winterville this fall. Pitt Community College will add a turfgrass diploma to its horticulture technology lineup for students interested in maintaining lawns, golf courses, parks, and other recreational grounds. Jerry Pittman, PCC's horticulture technology curriculum coordinator, says the new training option will consist of 36 credits that cover such topics such as pest management, soil science, turfgrass irrigation, and turf equipment management. Uh, students will learn how to select establish maintain and manage the right grasses for specific uses he said adding that they will also study warm and cool season grasses and how to control weeds insects and diseases associated with each we've designed our turf grass diploma for students who enjoy working outdoors and welcome the challenge of creating and maintaining beautiful surroundings once they master the skills of our program uh, uh they can go on to become turf grass managers who establish and maintain grasses used for recreational ornamental purposes to control erosion i said they're adding the training to meet the need from our green industry for individuals trained in this field, both locally and throughout Eastern North Carolina. Our industry is in dire need of qualified candidates who have had some type of formal education and training in turf grass and horticulture science. We can easily place many candidates locally and nationally who have completed a program of this caliber. Uh, The program is doing great things for Pitt County, Eastern North Carolina and beyond. He said he's pleased with the progress made towards establishing the diploma thus far and is looking forward to helping shape its future. Our graduates will have the skills to manage People and budgets and use their knowledge of plants and soils to produce high quality, visually appealing turf grass areas. Very good. Um, I like this and what I what I what in, you know, like you get from a community college or a technical school uh is uh it's more um practical what i would consider a pragmatic and, and practical uh kind of a learning standpoint right you're not having to go through the uh the uh the first year of undergrad classes taking um uh, uh you know so socioeconomics and uh uh whatever whatever lame ass class biology uh, it, that you that you had to sit through with a group of of forty people in there, and you're watching someone on a projector screen all day, right? Like you you're, you're bypassing all that. You're going to get more one-on-one attention. And if you if you uh, so, I took at a at a technical college. I took a class on irrigation designing uh, irrigation. It was by a qualified Rain Bird installer, right? He was the one who who did it, and it was amazing that classroom setting, like. Because you could grill him with questions and you could throw him like shit you're working on and show it to him. And he'll like sit there and figure it out with you, in both of your minds. And then all of a sudden the whole class is involved on it. And it was one of the most that if you just put forth a little bit of effort, you walked away from that with so much knowledge I have done effectively, but like compared to Ray or Ryan, the amount of irrigation I've done in my life is one, 1,000th one of what, of what they've done. And, uh, but it's, it's funny how much of it that I remember purely from that fucking class. And when I hear them talking about it, I can go back and revisit it just because that class was so engaging. So, uh, I, I recommend if, uh, if you're, if one of these things are happening locally to you, uh, check it out. If you're into that kind of thing, y'all have anything to add to this? I'm, I'm, I love it. I think it's great.
1: you uh, know, in, in, in an era where turf programs have been contracting, we've talked about it in articles, we've talked about it, just, you know, wrapping back and forth. Uh, what a great thing to see. And I think what you said, Matt is absolutely correct is that there are probably a lot of people out there and let's just take, you know, Winterville it's in North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina. There's probably not a lot of people. They're going to, you know, go go all the way into, you know, the Raleigh Durham area and go to NC state for turf, right. That don't want to go there for a four year program that if you meet them where they are, And them this opportunity that you're going to see more workforce development, more people, whether they're traditional students or non-traditional students getting into this and getting, you know, some, uh, you know, post-secondary education with, you know, a little bit of theory, a little bit of science and a lot of hands-on stuff behind it and turn those people loose. And I'm telling you, great things are going to happen. So I hope we see more of this. I hope this is a trend, uh, that they're starting down there, but clearly the demands there because colleges don't just do stuff like this if they don't think that they can get. Uh, butts in the seats so that's encouraging
0: and I, i'm i'm gonna rant here for a second but the the fucking inanity not insanity inanity it's stupid that you know it what what is what is a four-year degree cost in nc state 32 grand if you're in state i'm i'm curious what it is here in i think, in, I think it's tennessee. more i think it's more Nine, think yeah more about thousand. ten thousand a year a year So 40 grand it, a, a little bit more yeah, more yeah. here at university of tennessee you know and that's and that's that's nuts that is nuts right and and mm-hmm. l- let me tell you right now the skill set that you will walk away out of this program you will be further along than i was from ut without a doubt because everything that i took from there i then had to figure out the hands on part and that was freaky like you want to talk about culture shock like world shock of, of walking into a true green room, uh, technician room. And you're hearing everything fired off left and right. Simazine, blah, 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 blah. All these codes and tank mixes and everybody doing math on the fly in their head. And I'm like, I, what in the world is going on? And these people sold jewelry for 10 years, sold cars for five years. Of course, this is 2008, the economy tanked, right? 2008, 2009. So you've got people from all these various industries that are looking for a job. And of course, true always hiring. Right. And, uh, and so now they're there and, you know, within three months, they're like up the snuff on at least the the chemical nomenclature part of it to be able to effectively, uh, uh, get that piece of their job done. Right. And then you've got three months of like a dick in the dirt, hard ass work out there, dragging hose and pushing spreaders. And so, and it, it's just shocking that you're you know, $40,000 $40, of education uh, was was negated by three months of infield experience. And that is, was a tough pill to swallow. So to have this, and like right now in, in Tennessee, we have a program that uh, you can actually go, you can qualify to go to a technical school or a community college for free, for free. Mm. Imagine wow. being able to go to one of these programs graduate with a uh, a turfgrass diploma at no cost to you. It come out ahead of guys that are graduating with a four year fucking degree in $60,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's insane. And then the other piece of this, the other pieces, and I, and I, and, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, simp on Dave Wilbur for a second, who was laughing out loud at this merger between the PGA and LIV. And I, I'll, I'll say this. If there's one good thing, there is a monumental infusion of cash that is that is that is flooding into the, the PGA and the golf space right now. Uh, and, and thanks to the Saudis, $621 billion dollars in the PIF fund. A lot of money. All right. Now, if that does not get passed on to the people who make the fucking PGA possible, and who does that? It's the guys who are out there turning the wrenches, operating the mowers, keeping the equipment going, adjusting the irrigation, breaking the bunkers, top dressing the greens all day, every day. And especially leading up to tournament time, fucking 100 hours a week for three months, freaking the fuck out their job within inches of being lost, within centimeters or millimeters of being lost at all times, being called on Sunday at four o'clock in the middle of their kids' baseball game to go fix a fucking mainline leak. These guys ought to see <laughs> the, the, the ascent of that, of that $621 billion fund starting to show up. Because that would be the next piece of this that's going to keep people engaged from a managerial standpoint of wanting to get out there and 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 reap the rewards of this industry. I say it lovingly that it takes someone with a broken brain to get into turf grass, right? Because it has to become an obsession. You cannot one foot into turf grass and make it very far. You'll be exposed. You'll be ostracized. You'll be denigrated. And you'll somehow get kicked out of the industry. I don't know how it fucking works. It's because it's inbred as hell, and I say that lovingly. But that is what will happen to you. And then you'll be picking up range balls at a putt-putt somewhere, and uh, and scratching your head wondering how I got in this situation as you drink your third Bud Light while you're riding around. Um, the um, <laughs> but on the flip side of this, because you do have to become obsessed, because you do have to operate under that kind of pressure. Uh, you know, it, there are a lot of really bright minds, whether it's learned on the job brightness or just generally high IQ people that, that move into it. So I would love to see some of that cash infusion make their way in. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, I'll go ahead and say this too. It's, it's a free market economy. Let it fucking die. Let it fucking die and then rebuild it. And, uh, and you know, that's kind of where I stand on it. So anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. Don't forget the boys that are actually out there doing the fucking work. And if you do forget them, that's fine. Drive it into the fucking ground, like driver in a in a Cessna five sixty descending at twenty eight thousand feet a minute. Uh, He he would parachute out, of course. But I can't remember the guy who was flying uh, uh, illegally up there in D.C. Almost got shot down by an F sixteen, and uh, at a a descending rate of twenty eight thousand feet a minute, right into a West Virginia. I know, Jay Peng, right into a West Virginia mountain anyway
1: is that is that uh, one of those did you did you die from the plane crash or did you die from the uh aim nine missile that blew your eh. yeah yeah he eh. was smoked before that he was dead yeah he was dead Let's be what you guys, uh, uh,
0: that's we have we have no mailbag uh hopefully we did not piss anybody off, actually just kidding, I don't give a shit uh with uh with tonight's <laughs> episode. Uh I, I don't care market. either. Obviously right? uh Demet did a, a very, very good job with the Knows Turf segment of uh hopefully answering the questions of why uh chlorotrinal is uh is actually a very good choice if you do indeed uh need to be preventative uh, with your with your grub hey. control. And yep. Well listen, I, I
1: just don't want this to become on YouTube lawn care what the least favorite and uh most dreaded words are for any male who's say between the ages of any unmarried male between the ages of say 16 and 22 which is i'm late it's okay guys (laughs) we got you covered
0: with research Patreon.com forward slash Burnham Return. If you're into what we talk about, we have a whole community of people that uh, uh, are interested in some of the same things we're interested in. And that part is at least turf grass and uh, and trying to do things better. Uh, because even though between the three of us, we have 70 plus years experience in this industry, we still learn something new every day. And, uh, and what we have tried to do is build a community of people that are also interested in learning something new about this industry to do better every single day. And, uh, and if you're into that kind of thing and that inspires you and it gets you fired up and it makes your taint tickle, it does mine as well. Patreon.com forward slash burn and return. In fact, we are going to go hang out with our patrons now. to Let them choose the title of this week's episode. And with that, you sir can eat all of my balls. Bye. I don't, I don't know who I was talking to there, but it's, that's a chomp.